Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Time is one of those things that we all have limited quantities of. We don't often think about it that way, but our days are numbered, and we don't know when that end spot will be, but we know that there will be an end spot. And often, um, you know, as much as we understand that our time is limited, we can be uncomfortable. There can even be a little bit of a tension in thinking or talking about that. But yet, I think it's incredibly healthy. Uh, have you ever heard of, it was a wristwatch invented in 2014 called the Ticker Wristwatch, T-I-K-K-E-R. And this wristwatch, what it would do uh, when you were looking at it throughout the day, it had your years, your months, your hours, your minutes, and your seconds. Basically, on that simple government algorithm, you typed in all your stuff, and it would calculate your estimated time of death. Uh, and, you know, you can get, like, the death app or the death calculator for your phone. Uh, you can go to the website on your computer and put in all that kind of basic information. Smoke, don't smoke, how much alcohol you consume, your BMI, and it will give you an estimate, your estimated death day. And, you know, if you're looking at that watch, you know, constantly, you know, seven days a week, you might think, you know, isn't that just like a morbid reminder, like that the Grim Reaper's like going to take me out at some point in time? But it really wasn't meant to do that. That's not what it was meant. It actually was meant to help us make better use of our time, to use our time wisely. And the inventor, the guy who had the idea for this wristwatch, he was a Swede, and his occupation was a grave digger. And you're like, oh, that makes so much more sense, right? And, and as you do a little bit of research, uh, this is one of the things that the, uh, the Swede has to say. He says, the occurrence of death is no surprise to anyone, but in our modern society, we rarely talk about it. I think that if we were more aware of our own expiration, I'm sure we'd make better choices while we are alive. And I read that, and I'm like, if we were more aware of our own expiration, that we would make better choices while we are alive. And right away, a scripture popped to my mind, and maybe it's already doing that to you, uh, because there's a psalmist that basically said something very similar to this. The psalmist said, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And the New Living Translation says the same thing just like this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So the ticker watch and the request of the psalmist, look at the purpose. It's not to live in fear. It's not to be discouraged. Uh, it's not to walk around, you know, like a sourpuss look on your face. Uh, what's the purpose? To grow in wisdom. That if you and I can slow down long enough and realize, you know, that it doesn't matter if, you know, we have days or decades left. Our time is limited. And how we use that time, how we invest that time, is such an indicator of us being wise or not so wise.
We're in this series called Get Back. And we are understanding that, man, after a hard two years of a pandemic, we just want to get back to normal. I mean, I so often think, let's just get back to normal. And I hear that statement again and again. And I'm saying, cool, but maybe we just need to slow down a little bit. Just slow down and spend some time with our Heavenly Father. Spend some time in Scripture. Spend some time with Jesus. And it's maybe he calling us not to get back to normal, but to get back to better. Because normal wasn't working all that well in the first place. And there were some things that we were doing that didn't line up at all with the heart of our Heavenly Father or the instruction of our Savior. And before we just jump back into being busy, 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 going, 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 doing, 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 just jumping back into normal, ask the question, is there a better thing that God is calling us back to? I mean, following the pandemic, you meet so many people that we just want to make up for lost time, and often that is set into experiences. And for me, I'm like, you know, I want to go back and just reschedule all the social engagements that I miss, and it was so great to do that. Uh, Denise and I haven't been to a concert yet, and finally one of those is coming up in a few weeks. I'm so excited to get back to a concert. Uh, later this afternoon, I'm flying out to a conference, and I've not been to a conference since October 2019, and I'm so glad to get back to that kind of a setting. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying to get away for an extended vacation after two years of having very limited or scattered vacations. Those are some things that I'm looking forward to getting back to. And speaking of vacations, if you like, just feel like you know the past two years, you've missed out and you want to make up for lost time. Did you catch this? It was released back in October of this previous year. Royal Caribbean has announced the longest cruise ever. 274-day cruise. You can make up, like, not for years, but maybe, like, for decades of, like, missed vacation opportunities. And guess what? It doesn't depart until December the 10th, 2023, and there are still spots available. And see, I don't really know. I don't know if I could do 274 nights on a cruise ship. But I know if someone's willing to pay, I'm willing to try, right? Because, you know, why not see what it's like? Have you talked to some grandparents and they feel like they've missed out on so much over the past two years? They they missed out. It was kindergarten graduation. There wasn't really a graduation. I missed that. That's never going to happen again. My wife, uh, her school just had for the third year in a row, Grandparents' Day via Zoom, right? That's good if you live a distance away, but for everybody else, man, the grandparents are just missing it. And that's not the worst of it, man. You talk to some grandparents, and it's just been this extreme time of isolation because of either their personal health or their living situation. They're just so ready to get back to something that feels so much more like normal. There's other things that people will never get back. There are some, some of you, you walk, a high school graduation happened. You never got to walk. College graduation, you never got to walk. You're not going to get that back. You never get to go and walk those halls one last time. Some of you, in the midst of a pandemic, you retired. And after spending decades with people and relationships in an office, you retired via a computer screen. One morning, you woke up, got your coffee, sat in front of a computer screen, and you were working. The very next morning, 
You woke up, you made your coffee, you sat in front of a computer screen, and you weren't working, right? It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like a real retirement. And we want to get back lost time and go back to normal, all the things that we missed. And I so get that. I so understand that desire to just get back to normal. But there were some things with normal that didn't line up with God's instruction or his will for your life or for my life. And can we slow down and just see if God is calling us to be, calling us back to better? When COVID, for all of its bad, the good is it caused many of us to slow down. Many of us to do just what the psalmist requested, what the psalmist urged, to teach us that our days are numbered, to understand that there's only so much life that we are given as a gift. And as a nation, what we're just nearing up, we're getting closer to that one million deaths due to COVID. And we don't even think about that much anymore, but man, in the beginning, in the randomness of it all, when there was so much that we didn't know, it caused so many people to slow down and realize the brevity of life. And if you or I have days or decades left to enjoy the life that God has given us because it is a gift, we want to make the best use of our time. Because time's one of our greatest resources. We talk about good stewardship all the time, right? We want to be good stewards of our finances. We want to be good stewards of the relationships that God has given us. We want to be good stewards of the talents that God has blessed us with. But we also want to be good stewards of the time, the days, the hours that God has given to us. Ingrid says this. She's talking about the value of time. And she says, time does not last forever. And therefore, I do not want to waste a single moment of it. If I make good use of it, I will actually have more of it. And do you get that? If you make good use of it, you actually get more of it. Because why? You're no longer wasting time. And you're getting more use out of the gift that God has given you. So how can we be wise with our time? How can we be good stewards of our time? We don't have to figure out on our own. There's much instruction throughout Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're instructed, we're urged to. This is a request for how to make use of our times. And Paul says, imitate God with the time that you and I have, with our limited days. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life. This is direct instruction. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. I mean, that's great instruction to how to wisely use your time if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Your life can be defined as being filled with love, defined by love, a life that is modeled after that of Jesus Christ. Those are key components, right, of growing as a disciple if you want to mature as a disciple of Christ, man, you grow in love. You follow the example of Jesus. It's a wise use of your time. And this is so important that Paul goes on just a little bit later in the passage, and he gives us this warning. 
It's a warning of, you know, not using our time wisely. In verse 15, it reads like this. Be very careful. It's that warning. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you use your limited days. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How we handle our time, how you use your time, how you invest your time. Paul says it's an indicator. We can look at how you use your time. You can look at how I use my time. And you can decide, you know, if I am wise or foolish based on how I use my limited days. The psalmist urges us to count our days, to number our days, to be aware of the brevity of life so that we can grow in wisdom. And Paul says, I'm calling you out. It's pretty clear how you live your life, how you invest your time, what you do with your limited days. It shows if you are wise or if you are a fool. So how? How do you use your time that God has given you in a way that reveals a heart of wisdom? I mean, wouldn't we all want God to see our lives and say, oh my words, that woman, um, uh, she is so wise. That man, like he is so wise. The way that they use their time that I've given them, man, it is so clear they're wise. A thing that you often don't read in obituary, but wouldn't it be a nice comment? He or she used their time wisely. How do you get to that point? Because we know that wisdom's a whole lot better than foolishness. And before you and I just jump back to normal, is God calling you to get back to better? Better use of your time. Better use of your limited days. Better stewardship of the gift that he has given you. When I slow down enough to just do an evaluation of my life and the things that are in line with Jesus and the things that are out of line, here's some of the things I constantly need to ask myself or remind myself. How often as I work my way through the Gospels, how often was Jesus in a rush? How often was Jesus in a hurry? How often uh, did Jesus say yes to things that he should have said no to? How often did Jesus have more on his plate than what he could accomplish? Throughout the Gospels, we never read that Jesus rushed anywhere. There are times where he seems so painstakingly slow to get to where somebody wants him to go. See, Jesus had a lot of time to pray. Jesus had time to play with children. Jesus had time to investigate a fig tree. Jesus had plenty of time to sit around a table with his friends and strangers and enjoy a good meal. Jesus had time to help those that were in need. Jesus had time to rest by a well at noon. Jesus had time to take a nap in a boat, during a storm. Jesus had time to get away from the crowds and to spend time with his closest friends. He's our model. He's our example. And to make a wise use of our time is to follow the example of Jesus. 
You never read anywhere in Scripture. If you or I, man, if we just hurry up, if we just pick up the pace, then we will catch up with God. But we do read, be still and know that I am God. Jesus never said, join up with me and I will work you non-stop. Favorite song from the musical Hamilton, non-stop, right? Jesus never says that. Here's what he does say to his disciples. He says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Do you see what we can learn from Jesus to get back to better? So let me give you just two foundations. Two things that, man, if you don't get these two things down, uh, you're never going to be able to use your time wisely. You're never going to be able to be a good steward of the, the limited days that God has given you. And the first one is purpose. You know, what is your purpose? Do you know what your purpose is in life? Because if you don't really know your unique purpose that God has called you to, that he's given to you, you're just going to meander around from one thing to the next to the next. You're just going to like be chasing the wind. You're never going to catch it. Our mission as a church is what? To make disciples that make disciples. That is our purpose. That's the call that Jesus has given to us. And, and very simply, how do we do that? We choose to follow Jesus. We're useful to him in his service. We grow in Christ-like character. We invite others to follow Jesus along the way. That's how we live out making disciples that make disciples. And if you're sitting here and you're like, Doug, I don't have a clue. Man, I am like, you know, five decades in and I don't know my unique purpose. I'm like new to this whole thing of being a Christ follower and I don't know my purpose. How on earth do you figure out your unique purpose? What are some steps that you take? Here's what I would tell you to do. Choose to follow Jesus. Be useful to him in his service. Continue to strive to grow in Christ-like character. And invite others to follow Jesus along the way. And as you do this, as you journey with Jesus day in and day out, month in and month out, your unique purpose will be revealed. And sometimes we're surprised, right? We're like, we're just doing these things and all of a sudden we realize, you know what? God designed me or called me to work with teenagers. I would have never thought that, but man, that is a great purpose that God has in my life. That's who he's called me to be. Or you just keep doing this, and all of a sudden you realize, you know what? My gift of hospitality, people just love being in my home. They call my home like a place of peace. And man, my unique purpose is just to invite people into my home to sit around the table to share a good meal, to have some good conversations. Some of you, you figured out as you've been following Jesus, if you have been serving him, as you've been being formed in his Christ-like character, man, you've realized man, you have a heart for orphans or you have a heart for win widows, just like Jesus did. And you realize your unique purpose in that. Some of you in this process, you realize that you just get to bless others, man. When I get to encourage someone, when I see one, someone struggling, and I'm like, hey, can I like, come to your house and like, mow your yard or like, clean your kitchen or whatever? You just bless them? You have figured out your unique purpose. And God always reveals his unique purpose to us as we follow him, as we're stretched, as we step outside of our comfort zone. 
as we serve him by serving others, as we continue to grow in Christ-like character. In the journey, we find meaning, and we find purpose, and we find fulfillment. Talk about clarity of purpose. Man, did the Apostle Paul, did he have clarity of purpose? Well, here's just an example for you of clarity of purpose. He says this, but my life is worth nothing. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Do you have anything in your life? Do you have anything in your life where you can make that kind of a bold statement? That my life is worth nothing to me. My life is like worthless. I'm, I am like so missing the mark if I don't do and you fill in the blank. Do you have anything like that in your life? That, that's your unique purpose, right? As a Jesus follower, I absolutely love that we live in a country where we get to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. But as a Jesus follower, I know that if that's the only stuff that I'm pursuing, I'm missing the mark. It's never going to lead to that unique purpose that God has in my life. It's not the best stewardship. It's not the wise investment of my time. Because there are so many people that are pursuing just those exact same things. And they're never fulfilled, and they never find meaning. And they're always longing for that which is missing. Second foundation piece, that second thing, you need to know your purpose and you need to understand your priority. Priority, you get that. It's just sort of knowing what's important and what's not important. In other words, what are all the really good things that I have to say no to so that I can say yes to all of the really great things. I have so many things, this overwhelming amount of things that you could do with your time that I could do with my time. And you can't do it all. So where do you invest your hours? Where do you invest your limited days? What's the priority use of your time? Do you ever wonder why you do what you do? This past Tuesday, I was at Penn Cinema. I was in that perfect zero-G form. And for those of you, what do you think I was doing? You, it's not any but Penn Cinema's a movie theater. What do you think I was doing, right? You should say watching a movie, Doug. It seems like a no-brainer, right? But for those of you that are in more of an intimate relationship with me, what was I doing this past Tuesday at Penn Cinema in a zero-G sitting position? I was donating blood. Every eight weeks, give or take, that's where I'm at, and I'm donating blood. And I'm sitting there in that perfect, relaxing position with a needle being stuck up my arm. And I'm asking myself, why do I do this? With all the things that I could do, with all the ways that I could use my time, why do I do this? Is it simply just for the free movie ticket? No, it's not, because I was giving blood for decades before that. There's something about it. There's something about it knowing that there's a need, knowing that you're going to be able to help someone that you're never going to meet this side of eternity. There's something about just giving of yourself in such an uh, anonymous way that's going to help other people. It's why I make it a priority of my time. 
And if you're struggling with priorities, Jesus is here to help. Here's one example of priorities that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6. He says this, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Of all the other great stuff, but above all the other great stuff, seek the kingdom of God. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. You want another priority statement of Jesus? Here's one that we're even more familiar with. We refer to it as the great commandment in Matthew chapter 22. And we love this person who asked the question, which is the most important because that is a priority question. Uh, That's the kind of question that I would have asked Jesus if I was here. Uh, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? In other words, what's the best use? Can't keep them all. I'm pretty sure of that. What's the best use of my time of my life? What's the most important? And Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And if you want to just slow down and ask if God's calling you to get back to better, you just want to do an evaluation of your priorities in your life, I think Jesus' priorities give us a great starting point. How do you spend your time? Does it reflect love? Does your time reflect loving God? Does your time reflect loving others? Does the way that you use your time, is it just clear to the people around you that you are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? When your priorities aren't healthy, when your priorities aren't clear, you just weave all over the place. You tend to say yes to everything. You meander through life, never fulfilled, never having that level of meaning. You feel like you don't really get anywhere. So is God asking? Is God asking us to get back to better? A better understanding that our days are numbered, that we want to be wise with the use of our time. I want to read to you from one of my favorite books of the Bible. One of the first books that, man, I just fell in love with, Ecclesiastics. It's a great book, and a lot of it's about time and how we live our life. And the author, man, he is so incredibly successful. Uh, His resume is great. I've been there, done that. Uh, The amount of wealth that he has accumulated, and he's asking the question, what is the purpose of life? In all my days under the sun, what is the purpose of life? Because, you know, I've had it all. Success, pleasure, stuff, relationships. I've had the good and the bad, and what's it all about? What's the purpose? What's the meaning of life? It's a great question to ask. And this is where the author, this is the conclusion that he comes to. He says that without God, everything, work, pleasure, says that without God, Everything is meaningless. Everything is worthless. That without God, it just all never fulfills. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he tells us this. He says, God made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in every human heart. 
This is why so many people can't find fulfillment. This is why so many people, no matter how great, how much they accumulated, how much they've done, they still feel like they're missing out because God has planted eternity in every human heart. I want to close with these words from the author. Ecclesiastes 6, chapter 3, just a little bit earlier, and it's all about time. Because for you and I, with our limited days, our limited time, man, there are different seasons. And, and if we live long enough, you're going to experience all of these seasons. And in chapter 3, verse 1, it reads like this. He says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up a time to cry, and a time to laugh, a a time to grieve, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to turn away, a time to search, and a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be quiet, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. And we all have rhythms and seasons of life, and there's time for all of it. The question is, how do we make the best use? How do we make the wise use of our time. One last quote from a Roman philosopher, Seneca. He says this. He says, it's not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. Amen? Right? It's not that we have a short time to live, but we waste a lot of it. Life is long enough and a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements if we were all well invested. But when it is wasted in heedless luxury and spent on no good activity, we are forced at last by death's final constraint to realize that it has passed away before we knew it was passing. So here's my question for you. What's something that you could do to make a wiser use of your time, to be a better steward of your time? On your connection card, whether it's uh, there in your bulletin or if it's online, it's pretty simple. Is there one thing? Is there just one thing that I could do or that I could not do to make a wiser use of my time? I think we all have multiple things we could say there, but is there just one thing? And look at that. My time is up. But yours is not. Let's make it very practical. In the next 30 minutes, what's some of the wisest things you could do with your time? Pray, worship your heavenly father, get out in those hallways and just encourage someone, bless someone, pray for someone. On the drive home, reflect on what you heard today, talk in the car about how we can make better use of our time. In just 30 minutes, 
what's the wise choice? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of time. And like the psalmist, we, we just say, teach us to realize that our days are numbered. Help us understand the brevity of life. Whether we have days or decades left, help us to grow in wisdom, how to be good stewards of the gift that you have given us. And Father, I'm praying this for myself, and then I got some brothers and sisters in the room that this is so true. Before we just fully rush back into normal and get back to normal, we want to pause and ask, are you calling us to get back to better? a life that better reflects you, that better reflects your priorities, that better reflects your purpose for our lives, a life that better shows us to be wise stewards of the gift of time that you have given us. Reveal it to us, Father. May we be obedient to your calling, to your direction. We commit this all and ask that your will will be done in our lives, in our families, in our church family, in our community, in our country, to the ends of the earth, as your will is done in heaven. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.